from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number two of The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network, and here in our number two, we're going to be talking a lot of NFL in the middle of this hour as we're going to have a pair of great gentlemen. Ben Brown does a great job over there at Pro Football Focus, coupled with Matt Landis. He does a great job with the Props and Hops podcast. We're able to get that podcast wherever you get your podcast. They are going to be joining me as we're going to be taking a look at just what we've been seeing here in the preseason thus far, turning that forward to week one, if there's been any takeaways that we're able to gauge for the upcoming season as well, obviously. We're also going to talk a little bit of strategy when it comes to those of you guys who are signing up for these contests, whether it be the Circa Million, Survivor, the Westgate's Super Contest, list goes on and on. I know that many of you guys have made the trek over here to lovely Las Vegas to be able to sign up for those. So we've got a lot that's going to be on tap. That is good to be a two-parter. So we're going to have a lot of fun there. Here in the first segment, we're going to be taking a look at some baseball games for Tuesday. So we got a little bit of everything covered as in our number three, going to talk a little bit more college football as Brad Thomas. He is going to be joining me to talk a little bit about that. And a big thanks to Jason Weingarten for joining me in our number one. And we've also got to give a big thanks to all the hardworking men that behind the scenes do the best job in the industry. You've got my man, Jason Kahn. He is a wonderful producer. Every single time I wind up needing to hold down the fort because much like we wind up finding in Major League Baseball, I want to get called out of the bullpen a little bit at the last minute, having to do a little bit of long relief. I am very, very happy to do so. And Jason, he's always got my back. So it's like having a long reliever, but at the same time, having someone that's got his back, knowing that you've got Edwin Diaz in the bullpen to be able to close things out for you. He is the Edwin Diaz of producers. So Jason doing an absolutely amazing job. You've got Nick, our wonderful technical director. He's the gentleman that makes sure that everything up here on the screen is looking all nice. Every single hour that we do, I do VSIM, whether it be this show, the look at, follow the money, a numbers game, list goes on and on. Those all, all those hours, they get posted up via vsim.com slash podcast, wherever your podcast, you're able to download all of this. And our man Oliver does a great job there. And then you've got my audio engineer and Taylor always gets me set up. So all these guys, best in the business, they do amazing work being able to help me out. And now it's time for me to live up to my end of the bargain because these guys, they always do. So how about if we wind up going with the Brewers versus Dodgers game that we're going to be seeing for Tuesday, 909910. Ironically enough, as I'm doing this, the Dodgers-Brewers game from Monday, wound up going final 30, 35 minutes ago. So 
A little bit of a tight turnaround here as the Brewers, they are on the road against the Dodgers with Tony Gonsolin going for the Dodgers and Corbin Burns is on the bump for the Brewers. Total on this game is seven. And with the Brewers, you're able to get a nice plus price. Anywhere between about a plus 122 to a plus 130 at DraftKings. Find that in the middle at a plus 125. Meanwhile, the Dodgers are anywhere between about a minus 132 to a minus 145. And I do like this total under. I know that Jason Weingarten, who joined me in the last hour, he likes this under. I do as well pair of just absolutely superb pitchers and you got the Dodgers team that in terms of team ERA it is the best in the big leagues their bullpen ERA that is third in all of baseball entering into Monday with a 305 so these guys have both been able to do a very solid job but what I like here is for Corbin Burns to take down the LA Dodgers for the second time in less than a week I like being able to get plus 125 here with the Milwaukee Brewers I felt like this line should have been closer to right around about like a plus 110-ish with regards to Milwaukee Brewers. Anything above a plus 115 was going to be a play for me. So getting them right around a plus 125 like we're seeing right now, I think that you've got great value because I take a look at Coburn Burns and Tony Gonsolin. Two of the best out there in the big leagues. Gonsolin, he's got a National League best 15 wins and he's got a National League best ERA of a 2-1-2 as well. But he is doing for a little bit of regression, in my opinion. If you take a look at the advanced numbers with Gonsolin, he is getting fewer than nine strikeouts per nine innings. As a matter of fact, Corbin Burns, he's getting 3.1 more strikeouts per nine innings rather than Tony Gonsolin. But despite that, Burns has a little bit of a higher ERA, but has a lower fielding independent. With Tony Gonsolin, it's a 335. For Burns, it's a 301 because there are more balls in play against Tony Gonsolin, who for his career in Los Angeles, opponents are in just a buck 49 off of him with a 27 and 3 record with a 153 ERA at home. It's just absolutely superb, but I do think that there's going to be some regression. With regards to some of these numbers that we have seen from Gonsolin, he is someone that is known for giving up a few walks. Last year, his walks per nine rate was right around five and a half. He's been able to do a much better job this season with closer to right around 2.7, 2.8 walks per nine innings. But Burns, he's got a better walks per nine rate as well. And he's actually been better each of the last two years on the road rather than at home. His home ERA approaches right around a three this season compared to a buck 94 ERA in the road giving up five home runs across 69.2 innings. And opponents, there ain't just a buck 74 off of him when he is on the road as well. That's a little bit higher when he is at home. So I do think that that is something to take a look at. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, they and the LA Dodgers are currently tied for first in terms of home runs on a per-game basis when they're on the road. And the Brewers, they're the only team in the National League that's got three separate players that have hit at least 22 home runs this season. William Adamas, Rowdy Tellez, throw in there as well throw in there as well what you've been able to get out of William Adamas. So these guys, they've been able to do a very solid job. And when actually Hunter Renfro is who I was thinking of a little bit earlier. And for Renfro, he's actually been able to get a home run every about 13 and a half at bat. So he's been a little bit banged up when he's been out there and healthy like he is currently for the Milwaukee Brewers. That has served them well. Now with the LA Dodgers, you do have Mookie Betts at the top of the fold. He's able to do a great job as a table setter. And with the, Brewer, with the Brewers being able to shut out the uh, LA Dodgers on Monday. You got to figure that the Dodgers going to be out with a little bit of a vengeance here on this Tuesday. But I mean, still, even though the Dodgers they wind up losing on Monday, there's going to be a lot of people are being going to be like, "Oh, the Dodgers. There's no way that they can wind up losing two times in a row." Well, they lost three times in a row earlier this season. Obviously, a little bit of a different time, but they lost three times in a row to the Pittsburgh Pirates in a series. So, if the Pittsburgh Pirates are able to do it. It means that it's certainly far from impossible that we wind up seeing it. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, something that they did that I liked on Monday as well is that they banked Devin Williams, a guy that has given up 
Just two earned runs over his last 39 total appearances. So your main closer for the Brewers is going to be available. Brad Boxberger has been the main setup man. He is going to be as well. So while the Brewers don't quite have the bullpen ERA of the LA Dodgers, you do have more of your trustworthy pieces. And one guy that the LA Dodgers did not wind up using on Monday, that'd be Craig Kimbrell. And he's been one of the biggest albatrosses out there in the big leagues. The one thing that I fear with the LA Dodgers, both in this game and moving forward, is that Craig Kimbrell winds up just screwing everything up. It is really the one kryptonite that the LA Dodgers have. When they wind up getting into a big series, I do think that that could rear its ugly head now. Good news is they want a getting back for a starter right at all. He wound up throwing a scoreless inning on Monday, and you got to figure that Blake Tryon is going to be able to return before the postseason as well. But that closer spot for the LA Dodgers, that is a little bit of an issue, and for the Dodgers as well. You do have a trio of guys in Austin Barnes, Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, guys hitting below a 210 with the Brewers. They certainly have had a few guys with regards to the bat, not necessarily doing the world's greatest job, but Christian Yelich is coming off of a multi-hit game. Kesson Hira has really been able to pick it up as well. He's been a guy that has been very hot and cold for the Milwaukee Brewers over the last few seasons. He's been thought of as a guy that they've been able to build the future around, but take a look over the last three days at Kesson Hira. He's been able to have Five home runs over the course of his last 30 at-bats, hitting right around 300. So that's exactly what the Brewers needed to be able to get them kick-started on offense with regards to the Dodgers. Got to figure that they're going to have guys like Caleb Ferguson along with Evan Phillips available in the bullpen as well in this game. They've been able to post up a sub-2 ERA. So I do think that you're going to get a battle of aces and you're going to get a battle of two starting pitchers. They're going to be able to do a very solid job. I do like this total under. I want to say my total is 6.4. So even at a 6.5, I'd be looking at an under, but... With regards to what I want to give it out for DK Nation, being able to get the Brewers at this plus price, it really does appeal to me. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Milwaukee Brewers, and I am also taking a look at this total under. And another game that we want to talk about with Jason Weingarten is a guy that has an opportunity to be able to make things very interesting in terms of the American League Scion. This is 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Chicago White Sox on the road against the Baltimore Orioles with Austin both going for the Orioles and Dylan Cease on the bump for the White Sox. The White Sox are between a minus 140 to a minus 145 favorite. Anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130 is your price on the Baltimore Orioles with 7.5 being the total. And I know that Jason was talking a little bit about perhaps taking a run and half with the Orioles and leaning a little bit to the under. And I can't blame him on really either of those. With me, it's all about whether or not you'd be able to get a better price on the White Sox money line or if you'd be able to get a better price getting a run and half with the Baltimore Orioles because the Orioles have been the best run line team in all of baseball, but I do think that Dylan Cease winds, out at, winds up going out and gets a win for the White Sox. I do not want to trust in them being able to win this game by multiple runs, so I would rather lay a little bit more of a chalky money line because Dylan Cease, he has been incredible on the road. He has got a buck 35 ERA on the road. He is getting over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. If there is one falter that you do wind up having with Dylan Cease, it is that he winds up giving up a lot of walks, and this is a White Sox bullpen that it wound up getting used up quite a bit on Monday. As a matter of fact, they got as many outs from their starter, Michael Kopech, as they wound up getting from Greg Peterson on Monday. That is not necessarily ideal, but with Dylan Cease, he has been able to go at least six innings, and now four out of his last five starts, so that is a little bit of a booster for this team, and for Austin both. He was out lending a lot of length towards beginning of the season himself. Five plus settings in each out of his last four starts. And when you've got guys like Cienel Perez, Felix Batista, Joey Kreeble, they're on their Keegan Ake and all these guys posting up a 3-2 ERA or better. It is a big reason why the Orioles have been so good to the under and a big reason why they've been able to do such a good job of being able to stay in these games as well. So 
I don't think that there's any secret there. But with the White Sox, you've also got a team that has the best batting average on the road this season of any team. As you got Andrew Vaughn, Eloy Jimenez, you're able to throw in there Jose Abreu, all these guys hitting a 290 or greater. So that's been a big booster for them. And for the Orioles, the way that Anthony Santander has been able to come on for them has been very solid. But I do think that Cease going to be able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Liam Hendricks is one of the few bullpen pieces that did not wind up getting used up for the Chicago White Sox as well. So if you do wind up finding a one-run game going into the ninth inning, one of the best closers in all of baseball is going to be available for the White Sox, despite the fact that they did wind up having to dive into their bullpen. So I do like this little underhand. I like the White Sox as long as I'm getting a better money line price with them rather than being able to get a run and a half with the Baltimore Orioles and something that we're getting a great roundtable discussion. We're going to be talking to Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus along with Matt Landis of the Props and Ops podcast next right here on The Look At on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Visit This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The college football betting guide is out right now, and the NFL guide is dropping this Thursday. Start your football. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Season on the right foot with expert profiles of every single team, including trends, power rankings, over under recommendations, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, player awards, and much more. Remember that the only way to be able to get access to this year's football betting guides is by becoming a VSIN All Access subscriber. Sign up for our discounted football special and get access to everything that we do now through the Super Bowl for only $175 or save 70 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all season long. Go to vcin.com slash subscribe for all your options and become a part of the sports betting network family as it is the look ahead with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by our two guests as we've got a little bit of a roundtable discussion happening here as Ben Brown does a tremendous job over there at Pro Football Focus and Matt Landis does a great job with the Props and Hops podcast. And gentlemen, it is great to have you aboard and Typically, this is a time where I wind up starting to ask quite a few questions. But Matt, I know you wanted to lead this off by asking Ben a question. So the floor is yours, my friend. I didn't know I was going to get to about lead off with this one. But thank you, Uh, Ben. I've been following your work for some time. It's a blast to connect in this forum. And I heard you on another podcast recently with uh, Arjun Menon and Tej Seth, also with PFF Ties. Would highly recommend anybody listen to that if they don't do so already. You mentioned something about the Arizona Cardinals that stood out to me. 
I recall you saying that you like them to go over their regular season win total, and yet you seem to like the Chiefs against them in week one to cover that spread. Now, when I think of the Cardinals, I think that they start fast. They tend to fade Kyler Murray's you know, style of play and his structure just seems to let itself to not holding up over the course of a full season all the time. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't always adjust to the league once they can kind of counter him midseason. So there might be something I'm missing. You and the PFF team know a lot more about this stuff than I do at times. How do you reconcile a team like the Cardinals liking them to go over the regular season one total, but perhaps not getting off to such a hot start in week one? Yeah, I mean, I do think it's just the fact that we kind of like the Chiefs uh, probably more so the market expectation, right? I do think that, you know, some, you know, some of the things that PFF looks at, uh, we are heavily maybe even overweight on quarterback play, right? And things like accuracy percentage, things like, you know, big time throw rate, also PFF grade, those sorts of things heavily influenced in our modeling techniques and those sorts of things. So we probably like the Chiefs more than the than the betting market, just based on the fact that we like Patrick Mahomes more so than, you know, a lot of other people do. And I do think, um, at least as far as like the Cardinals specifically, uh, and some of these, you know, ideas of like, you know, a second half fade, Tyler Murray's, you know, play style maybe not being conducive to uh, being really effective in the second half of the, of the season. Maybe it's a little bit of, you know, of, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, not necessarily being the best play caller. Those things seem to be uh, probably maybe difficult to model, difficult to take in, take into account from a modeling perspective. And I do think that given the, you know, relatively low sample size using splits in the second half of the season versus the first half, uh, it's just not really something that, that uh, I'm going to take into account. So if the betting market's actually factoring that in uh, and using that to influence some of their prices, uh, it is going to be a spot that I'm probably betting on in the second, second half for the Arizona Cardinals to probably exceed some of those expectations. So I uh, just, you know, kind of a counterbalance with, um, you know, a number of different things. And I do think that uh, we could see the, see the Cardinals, you know, cover in week one or not cover in week one. And I do still think uh, we could probably see them easily go over their win total just based on the fact that I like Kyler Murray. Murray. I like the fact that, uh, you know, they have Marquise Brown in the fold. And I do think that when DeAndre Hopkins get, gets back, uh, they're a team that can definitely challenge for that NFC West, West division. And I think that that brings up something very interesting as well, because so many people right now, they're taking a look at season wins. They're trying to decide, okay, should I fire in on this team right now? Should I maybe take a little bit more of a game-by-game perspective? With a team like the Arizona Cardinals, where their win total is currently at an 8.5, would you maybe recommend someone, if they like this season win total for the Arizona Cardinals, if they think that it's going to be a slow start and a fast finish, to maybe hold off on betting off on or betting on some sort of a future, some sort of a season win, and maybe waiting for a few losses to come in and then firing on them, or just wind up maybe taking a little bit more of a game-by-game perspective as well, because with just so many of these books like DraftKings, list goes on and on, listing more of these totals mid-season, whereas before you could only fire on them really preseason, I do think that it lends a lot more options to be able to attack a scenario like this where you might like a team in the back half of the season, but not so much a first half. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I agree with that. I do think, you know, we are we are seeing some, uh, you know, books open up those markets, you know, midway points throughout the season as we kind of move forward along. And I do think, you know, it creates opportunity. It is nice because you're not, you're not necessarily tying up capital for as long as you would uh, locking into futures right now. But um, it's a spot that, you know, I like the Cardinals 
still to go over. Uh, PFF definitely has, you know, opinions on the other side of that. I do think, you know, one of my colleagues, Eric Eager, has been lower on them. And I do think there's, you know, some valid reasons for why they could potentially potentially finish under the win total as well. But uh, I, I think we see, uh, you know, a rejuvenated Kyler Murray that has been studying his playbook uh, as best as he possibly can. I do think that that's going to lead, lead to uh, some early season and some late season success for the Cardinals. And Matt, I'll pose that same question to you. When you take a look at the futures market and you see a team that maybe you think that they're going to have a strong start and a slow finish or vice versa, a slow start and a fast finish, how do you wind up approaching this? Because I always think that that is one of the most interesting things to be able to go about this. And we have seen it with the Arizona Cardinals where they've had some uneven starts and finishes where they either get off to a great start and then they fade, which has been happening a little bit more under the current regime, or they wind up starting out slow and then they get off to a hot finish. I would know since I'm unfortunately a Green Bay Packers fan and wound up seeing <laughs> seeing the firing of a coach due to a unfortunate loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, this can get a little bit tricky when I think about it, because on one hand, if we stick with the Cardinals as an example here, this is quickly becoming the Arizona Cardinals segment of the show. <laughs> I think it makes a lot of sense to consider that week one, really tough matchup against the Chiefs. They're going to be without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games. So maybe timing your market entry, there could be some logic to holding off. And at the same time, you know, we're talking about the Cardinals tough week one matchup, the absence of DeAndre Hopkins, the sports books, the rest of the betting market already aware of this. So I'm not sure how much added value we'll get at that concept as the season progresses. And also, even in a full NFL season, we are inherently dealing with small sample sizes. So sometimes even if the edge might not be quite as pronounced, if we're looking at the full season, at least we're getting a bigger sample size for that edge if it exists to go ahead and manifest itself. So I do tend to still try to get the biggest sample size I can just because in the NFL, it seems like that data set can never be big enough. Yep, I am right there with you. And I do think that it is always interesting to take a look at teams that you think are going to have a little bit of an uneven season. And speaking of what we've been seeing right now, through two weeks of the preseason, has there been anything that has really stuck out to you, Ben, about Maybe a team that has been a little bit unexpected, a player that has really been able to make an impact that you think could wind up lasting through the season. Obviously, we aren't seeing a ton of the starters, but we did wind up seeing guys like Patrick Mahomes wind up playing a little bit more than I was personally expecting in week two. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, Patrick Mahomes looked absolutely light out, lights out in week two. I do think, you know, really small sample sizes for Josh Allen as well, but he was basically, basically uh, perfect in that week two match. But I do... I do think from, you know, a preseason perspective, I'm more looking at, uh, you know, downside risk, downside situations, things that have been maybe more negative than positive. So uh, I do think that you probably want to latch on to those pessimistic outlook, uh, pessimistic type situations more, more so than you want to latch on to anything that's positive that's coming out of the preseason. So one that I've definitely uh, readjusted basically somewhat throughout this off preseason has been uh, Davis Mills, Mills and the Houston Texans. I think he was a guy, uh, you know, heading into college. I really liked him as this, you know, bona fide uh, top flight quarterback prospect coming out. Didn't really live up to the hype at Stanford. Stanford, I do think he had a really good, you know, rookie season in Houston, especially from an accuracy perspective. They didn't necessarily ask him to do a ton, but he was really effective uh, in that in that particular offense in that in that first rookie season. But uh, evaluating him somewhat in the you know in 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 the preseason, he's been 
uh, pretty poor. I think overall the Texans have been have been uh, somewhat bad when they have had those first stringers in the fold. So I do think that uh, them kind of being a team that uh, is maybe a little bit undervalued in the betting market, a team that I actually kind of actually kind of want to buy into. Uh, I'm definitely readjusting that look a little bit uh, and probably slowing down somewhat on you know opening up exposure to them uh, on some of these spreads and totals that we are spread spreads basically that we have. Uh, coming up here at the you know the early part of the season until I get maybe some more concrete information on as far as like how good Davis Mills can actually be in this particular offense. Offense. Yep. And Matt, we've got about forty five seconds. Has there been anything that has really stood out to you in the preseason that has been either a positive or a negative on a team that you've been taking a look at? Yeah, as the LA guy here, I'll be the Chargers homer. Their special teams continues to baffle everybody. Week one of the preseason, they had a kick catch interference penalty. And they one-upped themselves in a major way, allowing both a kickoff and punt return against the Cowboys preseason week two this past weekend. It just seems like every year it's uncanny how they continue not to figure out this phase of the game. The roster they've got across the offense and defense looks like it is primed to make a run. But I think special teams going to need to put it together for this team to truly make a run in 2022. Yep, and you never want to forget about special teams as well. It can sometimes pop up at just the world's worst time as we're going to be joined on the other side by Ben Brown and Matt Landis taking a look at this roundtable discussion and taking a look at a little bit of strategy for some of these contests. Up next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Pocket cash with popular picks. Join the Levi's 501 Pop Culture Pools for free and answer questions for your shot at a share of $10,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Levi's now to get in on, a, on the action. Levi's, buy better, wear longer. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions reply. Apply CDraftKings.com for details as it is a lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, being rejoined as we've got a nice NFL roundtable here with Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus and Matt Landis of the Props and Hops podcast. And gentlemen, I know that you guys absolutely love taking a look at this time of year getting set for the season. And I know that you guys, either for this year and in the past, have joined in a few NFL contests, whether it be Survivor, whether it be something like the Circa Millions, the Westgate Super Contest, the list goes on and on and when deciding what contests wind up going for and just how you wind up approaching them in general, what winds up running through your mind? Because, I mean, obviously, when it comes to these contests, if you're able to win one of them, you'd be able to hit it very, very big. But how do you determine which ones wind up going towards and perhaps maybe a little bit of prep work before the contests? Yeah, I'll jump in first if that's all right. I yes. think one of the most basic components, it might sound overly simplistic, but things like Circa Million and Survivor, where there's no overlay, if there's no house vig, and actually you can maybe get some juice working in your favor if there's an overlay without enough people entering, that can be really advantageous. Just as long as you get all your picks in, then you know you're not putting yourself behind the eight ball. So little things like that, knowing the rules, if I'm in something like Circa Survivor with thousands of people versus a smaller survival pool with friends, and maybe there's you know a few dozen people, that can kind of change the strategy knowing that if you're trying to outmaneuver a bigger pool, you're going to have to go a bit more off the map at times. Maybe don't lay eight points with Indy week one at Houston. Uh, that game just gives me kind of weird vibes anyway. I don't even know if I want to tease the Colts at this point. That might sound crazy. Um, but yeah, simply knowing the rules, the size of the pool, how the payout structure works, that in and of itself can just 
be the foundational piece of a pretty optimal overall strategy in my book. Yeah, Ben, we'll pose the same question to you, Ben. Is there any way that you wind up approaching some of these contests and deciding whether or not you want to wind up joining into one of these contests or not? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Matt touched on it really well, but, you know, the overlay aspect definitely is a consideration. The fact that, uh, you know, Circa specifically doesn't charge any VIG, so you're not having to, you know, really bat uh, well above expectation in order to potentially, you know, finish in the money uh, in that regard. And I think, you know, Matt kind of touched on it a little bit, but there is this idea of people not necessarily getting in uh, their picks on time, right? I do think there was like 750 entries of like 4,100 last year in the Circa Pick'em contest that didn't make a selection uh, every single week or whatever, so they didn't have the 90 selections in. Uh, that's that's kind of free money as well. That's an additional uh, type of overlay type situation. So I like that quite a bit. I like the fact that Circa, uh, you know, pays out the bounty uh, for people to finish last as well. So I do think that incentivizes maybe some, you know, negative expectation from some people as well at certain points in time. And I think that, you know, creates more opportunity at the, at the top for the rest of them. So uh, for the rest of us, hopefully, right? So I do think, you know, there's definitely some situations where, uh, these contests make a lot of sense. It can definitely, uh, you know, be a pretty big boon to a couple of people's bankrolls when it's all said and done. And by the way, Ben, I think that we could do like five hours on how you wind up trying to handicap to get last place in a contest because right. we all know that you want to be able to pick games correctly. But what winds up happening? Do you wind up starting after two weeks of what you think? Three weeks? Because you have to be a really good handicapper to intentionally get last because you can't just get it by not putting in any picks at all because that would be really easy. You go like 0-5 and then it's like, oh, I have peace out for the rest of the year. I'll just take my money. But nope, you have to make selections every single week. So that would be really, really interesting. And I don't know if I would recommend people putting in losing picks, but you know what? Hey, if you're able to make money off of it, that... That just in and of itself is very fascinating to say the least. But when it comes to taking a look at this final week of the preseason as well, this is obviously the next NFL action that we're going to be getting. And then from there, we wind up going into week one and then we wind up getting into the grind of the regular season. Is there any way that you wind up being able to gauge NFL preseason week three? Because as we know, traditionally the final preseason game, you see a lot of backups. Guys are fighting to be, get in on the action, just be able to make the 53-man roster. But as we know, we're down from four preseason games like we used to have to three for the second year. Is there any way that you're going to be handicapping any of these preseason games? Or is it just a, a complete and utter stay away given these circumstances? I'll start with you, Ben. Yeah, definitely. I do think that, uh, you know, the, the strategy that I've used uh, the best this this preseason in particular, uh, I do think is like kind of evaluating the first half performance of teams, uh, understanding who they're going to play at quarterback in the second half and then taking, a, uh, you know, one of those teams on like a second half spread, uh, I do think has been mainly the only real spot that I've been profitable so far in the preseason. I have been kind of ran over, I would say, uh, to be honest with you, with some totals trying to get the under in a lot of situations. We have seen an uptick in scoring. So uh, I've been trying to mainly just key in on, you know, one particular game, uh, understand who's at quarterback, try and get some understanding of how he's actually playing within the rhythm of that game. And if he is going to continue on in the third and fourth quarter, uh, I do think that that is a spot where you can definitely hit, you know, some second half spreads pretty profitably from my perspective. And I know that Ben wound up just touching upon it, but we've seen a lot of overs here in the preseason. Do you think that, and I'll pose this one to you, Matt, do you think that that could actually lend for a little bit of value on unders come the regular season? Because do you think that there might be a little bit of something where 
there's a lot of people as they see, man, scoring was up in the preseason. Maybe that means that scoring will be up during the regular season. And instead of maybe getting like a 49 on a game, a 48 and a half, maybe you get a full like half a point to a point of edge there. You know, it's possible. It's so tough when we're, again, dealing with small sample sizes, something we touched on in the previous segment. Week one, everything seemed to sail over. This week, we saw a lot more regression to the mean. It was a pretty even split, even down to Falcons-Jets tonight, where, you know, people could have bet under 42, over 38. And depending on the number you got, either the under or the over would have cashed. So I think that week two was more of a return to normalcy in the sense of the type of distribution we can expect to see across these totals. Week three, if we see another bunch of games go over like we did in week one, Greg, to your point, that might creep into the regular season a bit. But unless it's really extreme, I'm just not sure how many people are really paying attention to that trend and how many would assume that it's actionable as we cross over from the preseason into games that count. Matt, you just hit on something that I absolutely love the fact that you did. The fact that the final preseason game that we wound up seeing for this week, you could have bet the under at the right time and you would have been able to hit there. You could have bet the over at the right time and you would have been able to hit there. We had a nice middle situation. Just how important is it to take a look at these numbers and whether it be firing it on the opener or waiting on a number a little bit more if you don't like what you see initially and being able to get the best of the line because so many people think that it's all about just gauging these teams and everything like that, but just so much of handicapping is the number that you wind up getting, and you just laid it out perfectly. Yeah, well, if I can expand on that a little bit as we look to regular season week one, I think of a team like the Rams currently plus two and a half against Buffalo, and at some books, that number is shaded toward three. So on one hand, the Rams might be a very appealing teaser candidate to some bettors who think that they should be favored, they're going to keep the game close. And to that, I would say sit tight because you may well be right, but you might not have to tease the Rams. You might be able to get them plus three, maybe a little bit bigger of a plus money payout on the money line. So you might not even be dependent on a second leg holding up its end of the bargain. On the flip side, to your point, Greg, sometimes when the lines move, it tells you where you need to be quicker. We've got the Cowboys right now still at plus one and a half at a couple of the bigger regulated books. It's Pick'em at Circa in Las Vegas last I saw. I even read that Circa Colorado had the Cowboys favored. So in some cases, when you can find a book or two slow to move off some key numbers, you know, you can tease the Cowboys paying for six points to get up to plus seven and a half, when in reality, that price for six points is getting you more than a full touchdown considering lines at some sharper books like Circa in its various jurisdictions. And Ben, I want you to expand upon this a little bit more as well. Just how important is it to wind up having multiple outs, be able to shop for the best of the number? Because, I mean, so much of success, in my opinion, when it comes to betting, and it's in any market, whether it be NFL, whether it be the NBA, college basketball, list goes on and on. How much do you attribute it to just having multiple outs and being able to shop the line? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's immensely helpful, right? Obviously, you know, throughout the week, being able to kind of uh, understand what are the slower moving books when a fast book does move, when one of those, you know, leading books does actually move. Uh, taking taking a spot on, you know, uh, a slower moving book is easily the best way to pick up some expected value uh, as quickly as possible. And I do think, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, want to compare, you know, their closing line value. But 
these markets stay open throughout games as well. And I do think that, you know, understanding that, understanding the movement within games as well uh, and how you would kind of expect the first part of those games to actually play out can actually help you open up quite a bit of middles as well if you're kind of evaluating these teams uh, pretty well to start the game. So uh, I think, you know, with all the marketing and, you know, opportunities that are coming from us, obviously we're going to have a ton of new uh, betting markets to, to take advantage of hopefully from a lot of these books. Absolutely. And gentlemen, this has been a wonderful roundtable. Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus, Matt Landis, were my two guests here. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. It has been a blast. Yeah, thank you, Greg. You know, we've got Yankees fans sipping beer through hot dogs these (laughs) days. I think that tells us all we need to know about taking the cue, turning the page to the NFL. Absolutely. And it's always nice to be able to get set for what is going to be a great NFL season. But Matt just mentioned it. We've got some MLB for Tuesday that we're going to be hitting upon next right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network. This is The Look Ahead on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. If you are looking for some... From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. More sports betting discussion around your local team, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts that are designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. We've got CityCasts for Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever your podcast says. We're back here on the lookout with myself, Greg Peterson, and that was a tremendous conversation that we just wound up having with Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus, along with Matt Landis of the Props and Ops podcast. Great to be able to take a look at a whole wide variety of different things for the upcoming NFL season, everything from betting on contests to taking a look at teams that you think might wind up having an uneven season, preseason week three, so lots covered there in the last two segments. A big thanks to those two gentlemen for joining me, and Matt said on the way out that there was a little bit of something going on with the Yankees fans. So, you know what? Let's take a look at the Yankees-Mets game for this upcoming Tuesday. We'll continue the NFL chatter a little bit in hour number three. I'll touch upon the fact that you're going to be seeing Baker Mayfield as the starter in week one for the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, some takeaways there. So, I'll hit upon that in hour number three. We'll round out here hour number two with a little bit of baseball before we're also joined by Brad Thomas in hour number three. Talking a little college football with him. So, we're hitting a little bit of everything tonight. 919-920 on the bang board. It is the New York Mets. They have to throw the facing off against the New York Yankees. Frankie Montas is going to be going for the Yankees and Taiwan Walkers on the bump for the Mets. 
The Mets are an underdog. You're finding them as low as even money at DraftKings, as high as plus 115 where I sit. Here at Circa and with the Yankees, it is anywhere between minus 120 to a minus 126, with 8.5 being your total. Over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. We've been seeing the money coming in on the Yankees as they did wind up opening up right around minus 115 to minus 120 favorites. You wind up seeing them at DraftKings be right around there. And the opener on the Mets, it is going up and up and up. So I'm going to right now sit sit pretty a little bit and just wait for how we're going to be seeing the line move because I wound up saying the Yankees on my personal handicap as a minus 116 favorite, which means I need at least plus 116 to take a shot on the New York Mets. And it's went pretty much from even money to having a little bit north of a 10 cent line move. So I'll see if we can get the Mets there or if we wind up seeing a little bit of buy in on the New York Mets because the Mets coming off of a loss this season, they have been dynamic. They have been 33 and 10, but I do think that this is a little bit of a different ordeal because Taiwan Walker, we noticed last season, he wound up having a dynamite first half of the season and then he wound up giving up the deep ball. He was giving up post all-star break two home runs per nine innings and we might be seeing that a little bit this year as well. As for Taiwan Walker, he wound up having that really bad start in which he wound up giving up eight runs in an inning against the Atlanta Braves. He's now given up five home runs over his last five starts. So that is certainly an issue. Meanwhile, you take a look on the flip side for Frankie Montas. In innings that have not been pitched in Oakland this season, he's got north of a 6-2 ERA. Has not been going too well from him. With Frankie Montas, I do think that he's going to be able to get a little bit more online. He overall for the season has been just a little bit inconsistent with the Yankees. His big issue has been the command because while he was with the Oakland A's, home and road, he was giving up right around 2.4 walks per nine innings. Here with the Yankees across three starts, he's given up more like four walks per nine innings and that strikeout number and has went from a 9.4 with the Oakland A's to a 5.1 here with the Yankees. So I do think that he's going to be able to shape up a little bit more. I don't think that he's going to be as dominant as he was in his starts in Oakland because call what it is when you're making starts out there at Yankee Stadium. It's a little bit different than when you're making starts in Oakland where it's about as pitcher friendly as it gets. But taking a look at this total, I do like it under because with the Yankees, despite the fact that Clay Holmes is currently out of the fold, they've got the number one bullpen in terms of VRA in the big leagues. And it's been a struggle for this Yankees offense. They have scored four runs or fewer now 11 out of their last 12 games, but they've been still able to do a relatively solid job in terms of the pitching. Got a lot of guys like Awandi Peralta, Ron Marinacchio, who have been able to do a very solid job in this bullpen. And for the Mets, they wound up having their bullpen struggles towards the beginning of the season, but we have seen since a bad first half of the season, Seth Lugo be able to shape up. It's been important to have that bridge from, shall we say, the bullpen to Edwin Diaz be a little bit more rock solid, and he's been able to provide that. Diaz, in my opinion, has been the best closer in the big leagues, being able to post up a sub-2 ERA. The trumpets are always out when he's at home. Hopefully, if you do wind up getting the opportunity, they play them at Yankee Stadium. I don't think that they would honor that, but that said, always nice to be able to have that. But with the Mets, this is a team that they've been able to do a very good job of just being able to find a way on base. As we got Sterling Marte, Brandon Nimmo, Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, all hitting at least a 265 for this team. And with Alonso, he last year led the big leagues in terms of home runs per game on the road. He's got 30 home runs already with north of 100 RBI. For this bunch, and for Aaron Judge, he did wind up having a little bit of a struggle. The nine games that he wound up going without a homer, that's actually the most of the season for him. For normal human beings, that is not necessarily too bad of a slide. For Aaron Judge, that's a little bit of something different. But with the Yankees, they've been really relying upon pitching a little bit more because they're still dealing with a little bit of an injury to John Carlos Stanton. 
has been a situation where DJ LeMayu has been playing, but has not necessarily been playing at 100%. They were able to get an unexpected homer out of Andrew Benatendi within the last few days, and he's been able to hit a 300 overall, but we've seen a little bit of a dip in his production ever since he did wind up coming over to New York. So this has been a bunch of, has been a little bit of mixing and matching for the Mets. They've been dealing with a little bit of an injury of their own as well. So we've been seeing both of these lineups be a little bit hampered via, shall we just say, the attrition of this regular season. So it is a case in which I'm going to be taking a look at an under in this spot and with the Mets, if we continue to see the line movement that we have, because the Yankees, they wound up opening up in a lot of spots right around minus 120. We've seen this go upward quite a bit, and the, the Mets, who open up even money in a lot of spots, we're now seeing this north of a plus 110. If I'm able to get up past plus 115, going to be willing to take a shot on the Mets, and with the total currently sitting at an 8.5, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the under as well. With regards to the slate that we're going to be seeing for Tuesday, by the way, something that is unique about it, lots of interleague games, and one of the more interesting ones is going to be having a pair of teams that we're not likely going to see in the postseason, but a dominant pitcher. 921-922 on the bang board. It is the San Francisco Giants on the road going up against the Detroit Tigers as Drew Hutchinson going to be going for the Tigers and Carlos Rodon is on the bump for the San Francisco Giants and the Giants are anywhere between minus 210 and minus 225 favorites. Right around plus 185, seeing size of plus 187 here at Circa is your price on the Tigers with the total ranging between 7 and 7.5. Seven if you're seeing a 7 Heavy juice on the over. If you're seeing a 7.5, heavy juice on the under. And when it comes to this circumstance, I would rather have a 7.5 under rather than a 7 over. I did wind up saying my total at 7.1, so in between both of these. But I see a little bit more of an edge to the under just because when it comes to the San Francisco Giants, it has been a case in which whenever Carlos Rodon has come out for them, he has been able to do a very solid job. Now, you do want to keep in mind his home and road splits. He's got right around a buck eighty-seven. Home area, his ERA very nearly doubles when he is on the road. But the good news is he's now going up against a Detroit Tigers team that has played over 60% of their games in the under end. You've got darn near two-thirds of the lineup. Hang at 220 or Laura Akil Badu when he was up there. Spencer Torkelson as he has now been sent to the AAA level. Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Tucker Barnard. I mean, dead bat, dead bat, dead bat, dead bat. I mean, you've got nobody out there doing anything for the Tigers. As a matter of fact, they've got 72 home runs this season. That is fewer home runs than the duo of Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo currently have for the New York Yankees. Right now, their leader in home runs is 11 with, with Javi Baez. And, I mean, it is late August right now, and their leader in home runs being 11, that's just pretty sad, to say the least. Meanwhile, when it comes to the San Francisco Giants, I feel like it's just been a little bit smoke and mirrors with their offense, or right around 10th of the lake in terms of runs scored on a per-game basis, but they hit sub-240 as a collective. You've got two guys in Wilmer Flores along with Jock Peterson who have been able to do a relatively solid job being able to deliver between 16 and 18 home runs apiece, but it's been nothing remarkable with them. You've got a lot of guys like Mike Ustremski, Joey Barton company that have not been necessarily great at being able to move line. Now, I will say for Joey Barton, he's been able to do a little bit of a better job post-All-Star break hitting right around 275, but it's not necessarily been a high-powered offense. Now, what it has been is a bullpen that has not necessarily been too terrific, but you've got three pieces, Jarlin Garcia, Camilio Duvall, John Brebbia, who have all been able to post up a sub-3 ERA, so has been able to help out this Giants bullpen, despite the fact that it is 25th in the league in terms of ERA. It is a big, giant fall-off, as last year they were the lone bullpen with a sub-3 ERA in the big leagues. You could tell that they're currently missing Buster Posey, and for the Detroit Tigers, the one thing that they've been able to get right has been this bullpen. It is number eight in terms of ERA. They did wind up having to option Willie Peralta down 
down and DFA him. But that said, you still have a lot of guys like Andrew Chafin, along with what you've been able to get out of Alex Lang, throw in there Gregory Soto, who's been a very good closer. You're able to go down the line of guys that have been able to post up a 3-2 ERA. And for Drew Hutchinson, still been able to give up three runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts. It has been a case which the walks have been a tad bit of an issue as his walks per nine rate is in the neighborhood of about four. Not a guy that's going to wind up giving you a whole bunch of swings and misses, but against the San Francisco Giants team that I feel like the offense has been a little bit fortunate this season. If you're able to get a seven and a half, I do see quite a bit of value to the under end because it is a little bit of a lower scoring game. You're not going to have to lay as much juice on the run line of the Giants. I just don't see where the runs are going to be coming from for the Detroit Tigers against a guy in Carlos Rodon getting right around 11 and a half strikeouts. Per nine innings right now, I'm seeing that run line at a minus 125. Wouldn't be willing to lay too much more than this, but willing to lay the run line of the San Francisco Giants. And in our number three of the look at, we're going to be taking a look at what to expect from Carolina with the fact that they named Baker Mayfield their starter. That's up next right here on VEASAN, Esports Bank Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.